We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Go episode 765 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, February 19th, 2024. It is President's Day 2024. A happy President's Day to all of the team presidents in Washington, D.C. area sports, including Nationals President of Baseball Operations and General Manager Mike Rizzo. Capitals president of hockey operations and general manager Brian McClellan, monumental basketball president Michael Winger, and (laughs) don't forget Commanders team president Jason Wright. There it is. Yes, Jason, there it is. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, Jason Wright is in charge of Commander's business operations. It is Commander's football operations that have undergone major change over the last month plus. And next segment, we are going to assess the change with a very good friend of the podcast, Kevin Sheehan. My buddy, my pal, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. Uh, I've been waiting on having Kevin back on the pod until the commander's revamping of football operations was complete, or at least mostly complete. I do believe that we have arrived at that point. And so we next segment will have an in-depth conversation about the change, what it means, where it may take us. Uh, Adam Peters is general manager. Dan Quinn as head coach. A number of other new people. Is this regime the regime that will get our football team back to being good? I sure hope so. Uh, And I, with Kevin, will discuss the sad news that broke this past Saturday morning, the death of legendary former Maryland basketball head coach Charles Lefty Drizel. He was 92. Uh, Kevin, like me, went to the University of Maryland, known in some circles as the Harvard of the Mid-Atlantic region. (laughs) Uh, But Lefty is an all-timer, a two-time Hall of Famer. Lefty was inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame in 2007 and was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 2018. Kevin Sheehan, next segment with a lot on the commanders and some great perspective on Lefty Drizel. Also on the show, the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. will talk Capitals. A nice win for the Caps on Saturday night. A 4-3 win at the Montreal Canadiens. And they'll talk college basketball as we had more losses for Maryland, Georgetown, and Virginia Tech. But we did have a win 
for Virginia. Uh, Maryland for this season fell to just 1-8 and eight in games decided by five points or less, an 85-80 loss to number 14 Illinois at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Saturday evening. Georgetown lost its 10th consecutive game, a 70-54 loss to Villanova at Capital One Arena on Friday night. Virginia Tech lost for a fourth time in five games, a 96-81 loss at number seven North Carolina on Saturday afternoon. But number 21 Virginia rebounded from its 74-63 loss to Pitt at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia this past Tuesday night with a 49-47 home win over Wake Forest on Saturday afternoon. Hey, thank you to everyone who has given this podcast a five-star rating and who has written nice reviews of the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. A review does not have to be long, can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Uh, before we get to some feedback, this past weekend was NBA All-Star Weekend. Uh, a salute to former Georgetown player Mac McClung. The daddy Mac, he won the NBA Slam Dunk Contest for a second consecutive year. Mac McClung is a player in the G League. He has played in just four career NBA regular season games, and yet he has two slam dunk contest titles. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, Mac McClung played for Georgetown for the 2018-2019 and 2019-2020 seasons, uh, then transferred to Texas Tech. Uh, meantime, our Wizards, uh, their next game is not until this Thursday night. Wizards at the reigning, defending NBA champion Denver Nuggets this Thursday night, February 22nd at 9. But we on Friday did have some Wizards news. They on Friday afternoon announced having requested waivers on DeLon Wright as he has agreed on a contract buyout. So two things with this. A, the Wizards prior to the February 8th NBA trade deadline did not trade DeLon Wright, uh, who was said to be an unrestricted free agent this coming offseason, but now have agreed with him on a contract buyout and have put him on waivers, essentially giving him away. I'm sure that Michael Winger and Wizards general manager Will Dawkins tried to trade DeLon Wright, but for whatever reason, he was not traded, and so now he is basically being gifted away. Uh, B, DeLon Wright was like the only player on the Wizards who was good defensively. So the Wizards' defense, which already has been so bad this season, now may be about to get a whole lot worse. Uh, although interim head coach Brian Keefe has had the Wizards playing at least somewhat better defense. Uh, you can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Feedback on the passing of Lefty Drizel from J. Russell Finch on X. This one hurts. Uh, thank you for that, J. Russell. Uh, from Paul Sullivan on X, UCLA of the East. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, Paul. Yeah, maybe the most famous thing that Lefty ever said. Uh, the quote was made during his introductory press conference as Terrapin's head coach in March 1969. And the quote per William Gilday of the Washington Post was Lefty saying that Maryland, quote, has the potential to be the UCLA of the East Coast, or I wouldn't be here 
end quote, uh, from Dr. Michael Lindsay on X. Love going to lefties basketball camps at the University of Maryland as a kid. Having the likes of Len Bias, Keith Gatlin, and John Lucas, to name a few, as camp counselors was priceless. Lefty was simply a great coach. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better X's and O's coach. R.I.P. Lefty. Uh, Thank you for that Dr. Michael. Wow. Len Bias as a camp counselor. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty cool. Uh, From Tom Friend on X. Tom Friend is a basketball and feature writer for Sports Business Journal. Used to work at ESPN and also covered the Redskins for the Washington Post October 1987 to January 1990. Wrote Tom to me on X. If Moses stays or if Tom Burleson did not have the game of his life in March of 74, Lefty probably would have left this world with multiple rings. Uh, Thank you for that, Tom. Yeah, the Moses Malone thing is one of the great what-ifs in Washington, D.C. sports history. 1974, Lefty Drizel landed Moses Malone as a recruit, but Moses then changed his mind, uh, and he became the first player in the modern era to go straight from high school to the pros. He signed with the Utah Stars of the ABA, and you think about what could have been for Maryland with Moses. The 1974-75 Terps advanced to the Elite Eight, where they lost to Louisville. And that Terps team had a number of good players. John Lucas, Owen Brown, Steve Shepard, Maurice Howard, Brad Davis. Imagine that team with Moses Malone. Uh, And of course, Moses ultimately did play for a D.C. area team, just not Maryland. Uh, Moses was on the Bullets for two seasons, the 1986-87 and 1987-88 seasons. Uh, From RJD on X, imagine the head coaches in 1969 Washington, Vince Lombardi, Ted Williams, and Lefty Drizel. Thank you for that RJD. That is something. Vince Lombardi was the Skins general manager and head coach from February 1969 until the summer of 1970. Uh, He tragically died of colon cancer September 3rd, 1970. Ted Williams was the Washington Senators slash Texas Rangers manager from February 1969 to October 1972. And Lefty was the Terps head coach from March 1969 to October 1986. 1969, Lombardi, Williams, and Drizel. Vince, Ted, and Lefty. Quite a time in D.C. area sports. Email from Michael King. Writes, Mike, Lefty and Joe Gibbs are my two favorite coaches of all time. To me, Lefty is the greatest Maryland basketball coach of all time. And that is no slap at Gary Williams. Williams won a national championship after all. But for so many other things, and maybe just for pure entertainment, Lefty is my favorite. R.I.P. Lefty. He is with his beloved Joyce once again. There will never be another like him. For people my age, he was Maryland basketball. Thanks, Al. Love the show. The best in town. Well, thank you very much for that, Mike. Uh, Rest in peace to the great Lefty Drizel. Lefty helped to make Maryland basketball a major D.C. area force, uh, just as the law firm of Paulson and Nace has been a major D.C. area force for years. Uh, Founded in 1979, Paulson and Nace is a 
Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have been harmed by the negligence of someone else, if someone who you care about has been harmed by the negligence of someone else, call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments, both in and out of courtrooms. In fact, Paulson and Nace was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. And Chris Nace and Matt Nace specifically are dedicated and decorated trial attorneys. Chris Nace last May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. Chris last July was elected as the Parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. And both Chris and Matt Nace last August were recognized by Best Lawyer in America for 2024. Why the accolades? Well, Paulson and Nace fights for you. Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, believe it or not, we now are just a week away from the start of the 2024 NFL Scouting Combine, February 26. We now are just three weeks away from the start of the NFL's legal tampering period, March 11th. Uh, the offseason is happening. No podcast or show covers the commanders like this podcast does. And so if you would like to grow your business or practice, Consider advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable. Gives you a true bang for your buck. Uh, email us, see what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, there is a back and forth of sorts going on between the Commanders and Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Commanders' new coaching staff, of course, includes three guys who were just Cowboys coaches uh, head coach Dan Quinn who spent the last three seasons as the Cowboys' defensive coordinator. Uh, defensive coordinator Joe Witt Jr., who spent the last three seasons as the Cowboys' secondary coach and defensive passing game coordinator. And assistant defensive line coach Sharif Floyd, who spent the 2023 season as the Cowboys' quality control and assistant defensive line coach. Well, we on Friday morning had multiple reports that the Cowboys are hiring Jeff Scanina 
as defensive line coach. Uh, He was with Washington for the previous four seasons, 2020 through 2023. He was the team's assistant defensive line coach from January 2020 to August 2022 and was the team's defensive line coach from August 2022 to now. Uh, A lot of (laughs) cross-pollination going on between the Commanders and Cowboys these days. Uh, But it would appear as if the Commanders' revamping of football operations this offseason is at least mostly complete, if not entirely complete. Uh, The new front office, led by General Manager Adam Peters and Assistant General Manager Lance Newmark, the new coaching staff, Features Dan Quinn as head coach, Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator, and Joe Witt Jr. as defensive coordinator. I first met the man with whom we're about to speak back in 2004 when we had great excitement off the return of Joe Gibbs, uh, who the Redskins in January 2004 brought back with the title of head coach and team president. We, over the years, have danced this dance of a new football operations regime for our team quite a few times, but this time is different, right? Because the ownership is different. The Josh Harris Group officially buying the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder last July was glorious. Is the team now poised for glorious results? Uh, Kevin Sheehan is back on the Al Galdi podcast. Kevin is the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast and is the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show weekdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the Team 980. You can follow Kevin on X at Kevin Sheehan DC. Kevin, my friend, how are you? 20 years I've known you, Al. <laughs> 20 years. I mean, it's so crazy because I've thought about that before. Like, I, you know, you know my story. I wasn't in broadcasting and, and just like I showed up one day because I was trying to do some stuff and one thing led to another. I, I had no expectations and here we are 20 years later, but you know, it's, it's so you're, you're one of the first people I remember because in that bullpen, you know, over in Silver Spring. Um, it was, you know, that, that place was a mess. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> the ceiling was coming down in the studios and everything, but it was you, me, and Stern out in that general bullpen area. Andy and Zabe had offices. Um, Scott, you know, CJ and Scott, I think Scott had an office, right? Scott Lynn. Maybe Jackson was out in the bullpen with us. And so you guys, and you know, I was, they were asking me to do updates. I didn't even know what an update was. And I think you or Lynn were one of the first people I asked before I did updates on the very first day that they gave me the gig, thinking that I actually had done this stuff before, because I probably led him to believe that I had. And I said, so how do you, you know, how do you put together an update? You were, (laughs) you were, that was like your first year, second year there, right? Well, my very first year at the station was 1998 as a promotions intern. Oh, in 98. Yeah, 2004, I was doing updates and producing. And I remember one of our first conversations being on the first weekend of college football for the 2004 season and us talking about how we were excited about college football for that season. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, by the way, who I talked to this morning, actually, because I called Mark Stern to see if he kept any of the lunch with legend um broadcasts because i wanted to find the lefty one and i I called solly he didn't call me back i called stern but 
you know, I I often say about Mark, and you'll remember this. He was not the kindest or warmest of people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he was always just like, he's got this job. He's not really happy to be there. And it turns out he turned out to be one of my best friends, you know, over the years because he produced this forever. And he's still one of my favorite people in life. Oh, he's great. But, um, But remember, he would... I was seated right next to him. You know, I had a little cubby right next to his. And, you know, I would try to strike up conversation with Stern. He was not interested. You know, he's like, who is this dude? You know, and then we became the closest of friends. But anyway. Yeah. Mark Stern, uh, Nigel on the Tony Kornheiser show, for those who don't know, a great guy. Helped me out so much when it came to setting up this podcast. So I am forever indebted to Stern. He and Tony basically helped me set up this whole thing. Yeah. Stern is the man. Uh, All right. It was January 8th that uh, managing partner Josh Harris fired head coach Rod Rivera. It was this past Thursday, February 15th, that the commanders officially announced Dan Quinn's coaching staff. Those five weeks and change, January 8th through February 15th, marked this revamping of the team's football operations marked the Josh Harris group putting its first true football operations imprint on the team. Not to be overly dramatic, but what was done over these last five weeks and change will shape what happens with our team for years to come. Like what has just happened here is a big deal. Do you like what was done? Yeah, I mean, the one thing I keep coming back to, because what you just said is partially true but it also may just be the first swing at it and maybe the second swing with the right owner and the right structure will end up being the one that you know takes off and that leads me back to we have a chance because we've got it because dan's not here anymore and we've got an owner that appears to be an owner that wants to hire a football person a general manager let him do the job hire a coach have a, a traditional structure there are no guarantees that the last month will produce what we all want, which is, you know, a long-term sustained, you know, run of winning. Um, but I think no Dan and an owner that understands that he doesn't have all the football answers, it might be the next swing that ends up being the right one. But as far as the last four and a half, five weeks go, I don't know what you've been saying, but I basically said, look, if I told you on January 12th or whatever, you're going to get the number one general manager in this hiring cycle in terms of the desired candidate. You're going to get a coach that you absolutely had near the top of your list right from the beginning. And by the way, was the coach that you told us you were going to be looking for in that you wanted a leader. And it doesn't appear as if anybody else you know, would have come with that sort of leadership gravitas. And by the way, you're going to get two coordinators Kingsbury, who has been described by people in college football as brilliant, a guy that's worked with uh, uh, Quinn in Dallas, and then you're going to fill out the staff with a former head coach and Anthony Lynn and people with all the experience they had, I think you'd say, I'll take it. And so it doesn't guarantee anything, but I think the process is right, the structure is right. And that overall, the hirings have been pretty good ones on paper. However you felt about the commanders hiring Dan Quinn as head coach when that was announced, uh, that was announced on February 3rd, 
do you feel better now? I didn't feel that badly about Dan Quinn to begin with. My preference would have been, you know, at the time when the process began, offensive, young, you know, for all the reasons everybody's described. If we draft a quarterback at two, you don't want to lose your coordinator if you've got a defensive head coach. But, yeah, I loved his press conference. I had him on the radio show. Um, I really, in, you know, he, he doesn't say much, which he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be disclosing anything right now. I think there's a real authenticity to him. At least that's how I view him from afar. Um, and everybody that knows him and has talked about him swears by him. It doesn't guarantee anything. We do have a good defensive-minded head coach, but so is Ron coming in here. But it, there's a big difference, and I don't know if, how much you've talked about these. this idea that many have had that is, you know, retread or Ron Rivera 2.0. It's like Ron Rivera came into this organization working for Dan Snyder. He was given a job which was not just to coach the team, but to run the football you know, franchise and be the final decision maker. Quinn's coming here to work for someone not named Dan, and he's being asked to coach the team in a normal traditional structure. Um, I like the idea, Quinn. Again, I none of us really know how this will, this will work out, but I think it'll be certainly a, a team that'll be well-coached defensively, I would imagine. He's gotten really good results as a defensive coordinator or as a defensive coach, although really Kyle's offenses and Matt Ryan in particular, Kyle, um, you know, people hate when we mention you-know-who, as you described, Kirk, and they don't even like when we talk about uh, Kyle. Um, Kyle's lost a couple Super Bowls now. But anyway, I, I feel about as optimistic about the future as I have in since you know who left. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we had the last truly good quarterback for Washington. You know who, and uh, his first name starts with a K. Uh, former Skins offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan's first name starts with a K. And now we have another major offensive person, new commander's offensive coordinator Cliff Kingsbury, whose first and last names begin with K. I'm not sure what all of that means, but uh, the defensive portion of Dan Quinn's coaching staff feels pretty straightforward. Dan's a defensive-minded head coach. The defensive coordinator, Joe Witt Jr., worked with Dan for both the Cowboys and Atlanta Falcons. The defensive pass game coordinator, Jason Simmons, worked with Joe for years for the Green Bay Packers. The offensive portion of Dan Quinn's coaching staff is a different story. Bigger names, but a lot more unfamiliarity with each other. Cliff Kingsbury as offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson as assistant head coach slash offensive pass game coordinator, Anthony Lynn as run game coordinator slash running backs coach. What do you think about the offensive portion of the staff? I'm intrigued by Kingsbury. First of all, you know, some of the people that, you know, like Scott and Stanford Steve, like the ESPN guys that are into college football and talk to all the college football guys, they've been telling me for years, like, Kingsbury's the dude. Like, he's a great guy, and everybody that comes in contact with him says he is brilliant, you know, offensively. Um, now, he's in the NFL. He's in, a, you know, it's different than college. He's an offensive coordinator in the NFL. You know, the air raid thing, I love the answer on that the other day, because if you look back at the Arizona teams that he coached, they weren't air raid teams. They were balanced. The best season they had, they were a very balanced team. They were middle of the pack, you know, run to pass ratio. Um, I think Kyler Murray is, you know, I hope 
we end up with something that's different than Ky- Kyler Murray. Um, but I'm excited about Kingsbury, really excited. But we'll see because ultimately they got to get number two right. They got to get the right quarterback. And I, I'm going to be interested to see how much of a say or how much you know input he has. Uh, it shouldn't be the majority input. This should be Adam Peters' call. You know, he's the one that's going to be here for a while. We don't know about Kingsbury. But I bet you Kingsbury will definitely be asked for his opinion, certainly on Caleb Williams. Yeah, well, NFL insider Mike Garofolo of NFL Network and NFL.com on NFL Network on Super Bowl Sunday said that the commanders told Cliff Kingsbury that they'll do what they can to get him the quarterback who he wants. So it would seem that Cliff will have input on what is done at quarterback. Uh, And so with that, the 2024 NFL draft in which our team has the number two overall pick, uh, do you have a preferred path at quarterback in terms of USC's Caleb Williams, North Carolina's Drake May, and LSU's Jaden Daniels? I mean, I love Jaden Daniels. I was was talking about him on my shows, you know, going back to October. I'm like, how is this guy not mocked as a first round pick because early in the season he wasn't and then you know there were there was a game against Missouri and I came in the next day Denton my producer on radio does a college football show he's so so into it and we both said how is this guy not a top 10 pick and then when he played Alabama in November first week in November in November Tuscaloosa if you go back and watch the first half performance it was like there's no way this guy's not the best player in college football, a Heisman Trophy winner, and a top five pick. There's just no way. He's so electric, electric, but it's so much beyond the running and the playmaking. He's got a gun for an arm. He throws a great deep ball. You know, there's a lot of discussion about they don't throw, you know, they, can he throw across the middle? Well, they don't throw a lot of crossing routes at, at LSU. Um, there's a lot of deep shots, a lot of sideline stuff, a lot of curls, a lot of hitches, a lot of flat routes, and a lot of, you know, one, two, and then he's the check down and he creates. But he can throw the ball across the middle. There, there's enough video out there that says he can. So I love him, but I don't know about all the things we don't know about. That's what they're going to have to figure out. Is he a guy that's great in the locker room? Does he have the work ethic? Does he love football? Is he brilliant, smart? You know, is he going to be able to be adaptable to the system, the schemes that they want to play? Um, I just think when I watched him this year that I was watching the best college football player in America and it wasn't close. I love Caleb Williams too. Don't get me wrong. Like the talent's unmistakable. So I wouldn't be, I'd be totally fine with Caleb Williams too. I'm not there on Drake May, but what do I know? Like Drake May may be the one with the intangibles that are off the charts, you know, compared to the other two. And that'll win the day. He can make every throw. He's mobile. But to me, Jaden Daniels is closer to Caleb Williams than Drake May is to Jaden Daniels. So that would be my one, two and three with, again, Daniels being much closer to two than May is from three to one than May is to two. Do you want the commanders open to trading up from two to one to take Caleb Williams? If they believe that Caleb Williams or, and let's just say that between now and, and then Chicago falls in love with Jaden Daniels, or it becomes obvious that Drake May's the number one pick. If they fall in love with somebody, Al, 
and that somebody is way above the other two or the other four, I'm totally fine with that. It's hard to say how real this is, but there is momentum for Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy. He's being talked up a lot, not that he would go, say, in the top three of the 2024 draft, although I guess you can't be entirely dismissive of anything, but what do you think about J.J. McCarthy? It's so hard with him because they didn't need him in most of their games. That's the problem is you didn't see a guy. He threw eight passes against Penn State and they won the game. He threw eight passes. That was it. You know, he drove him down the field against Ohio State, uh, you know, in the, and, and in, the, uh, in the championship semifinal game against Bama. I, I never got it watching him this year. Like when people were saying he's a top half of the first round, you know, um, pick. But again, J.J. McCarthy may be the example of what we don't know and what everybody else knows is going to win the day. He's brilliant. He's a leader. He's, he's big in, in, in the locker room, all that stuff. And by the way, he does have an arm. He is 6'3", although to me, Jaden Daniels is 6'3", 6'4", and plays 6'3", 6'4". And when you watch J.J. McCarthy, he's 6'3", and he doesn't play or look 6'3", in the pocket. But, again, I think there's just so much we don't know that they'll know that'll end up being significant in their, you know, in their evaluation. As I said at the top of the segment, we are now just three weeks away from March 11th, which is day one of the NFL's legal tampering period, which marks the true start of NFL free agency uh, for the offseason. There is only so much that a team can do with a roster in one offseason, but the commanders this past season were horrible. And one of the takeaways for a lot of us was that the roster was not nearly as good as we thought. Are you anticipating a massive roster overhaul by the team this offseason? That, that was actually my, my topic on my Friday show podcast, I think. Maybe the radio, too. I forget. But um, So a year ago, we were all sitting here, right? I know you and I agreed on this because we talked about this. Pretty good roster. Maybe one of the best rosters we've seen <laughs> here. You know, minus the mystery at quarterback. Minus the you know issues that we thought they had along the offensive line and a linebacker, but it's like wow, receivers, D line, secondary, and I guess we were dead wrong. We were dead wrong on how you know it could carry the day to defense in particular. But I just wonder whether or not this new group will come in and feel the same way. Maybe they'll look at it and say, look. This was a lame duck head coach season. The season got sideways pretty quickly. They were getting annihilated. They had a a head coach who was on his way out, an offensive coordinator that was probably at odds with other coaches and players during the course of the season. Um, You had, uh, you know, we like Cam Curl a lot. We we really like Forbes. We think Quan Martin's excellent. You know, there may be a lot. I think I guess I I just did this thing where I went through the roster and I'm like, you could make the case that maybe 12 or 13 players could come back and be starters on opening day if they view what happened in 2023 is more about the scene, the vibe and the coaching staff, because Quan Martin was really impressive at the end of the year. Um, KJ Henry and I thought uh, that the sixth rounder um, Jones Jr., was uh, impressive. You've got Terry, you've got John, you've got Duran, you've got Cosme, 
You've got Brian Robinson Jr., who I think we would all agree any coaching staff is probably going to look at and like. I don't know. It definitely wasn't as good as we thought it was a year ago. That's for sure. No, it wasn't. But maybe it, but maybe it was more about the overall situation in the coaching. That would be the hope. I just come back to how bad the commanders were this past regular season. Not just the 4-13 and record, but an NFL worst point differential of minus 189. Third worst point differential for a regular season in the history of the franchise. Like, that wasn't all bad coaching. You know, there was a lot of bad playing, too. Uh, much more with Kevin Sheehan in moments. But if you live in Northern Virginia and you have a masonry fireplace, listen up. Nova Fireplace and Stove is offering an exceptional deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Nova Fireplace and Stove right now is offering the following deal to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast and in-stock wood insert at an extremely discounted price, just $6,000 plus tax. Uh, the usual price is nine thousand dollars plus tax. So this is a 33% discount and the six thousand dollars plus tax includes installation, permit, and county slash city inspection. And you can get a government funded tax credit as well. Up to $2,000, dropping the price to just $4,000, all things considered. A site visit is required and you must have a masonry fireplace. But if you live in Northern Virginia, Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Talk to my guy, Stuart Moore. He is the general manager. He is a big Commanders fan and a loyal listener of this podcast. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and get this exceptional deal on an in-stock wood insert. Again, 33% off. A standard masonry fireplace is only about 10% efficient, but a wood insert is over 70% efficient. A wood insert installed into a masonry fireplace elongates the burn time of your logs. This is a great way to heat your home and save money on heating your home. Visit NovaFireplaceAndStove.com to check out customer reviews of Nova Fireplace and Stove, but call Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. That's Nova Fireplace and Stove, 571-513-3803, and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you to get the great deal. Uh, more now with Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. I do want to talk Lefty Drizel with you. Uh, the sad news from this past Saturday morning, the death of a legendary former Maryland basketball head coach, Charles Lefty Drizel. He was 92. Lefty and Gary Williams are the two best head coaches in Maryland basketball history. Lefty, as Terrapin's head coach, was before my time, but the uh, Skins head coaching analogy that I've made is that Lefty is George Allen and Gary is Joe Gibbs. Gary, like Joe with the Skins, had the greatest success, but Lefty made Maryland basketball as George made Skins football a truly big deal. Lefty really elevated Maryland basketball with his charisma and recruiting and winning. Uh, Gary is the most important person in Maryland basketball history, but Lefty is number two. Is that how you see it? That's a great analogy, um, actually. Uh, it's perfect because George Allen, 
Now, people will say that, you know, the Redskins were popular in the 60s because they were great offensively and Sonny was such a legend, etc. But the real beginning of what most of us know as this, you know, unbridled passion for, you know, Redskins football was started with George Allen in 1971. The beginning of college basketball being popular in this town and Maryland being relevant on the national stage was Lefty Drizel when he came up, came in in 1969. I mean, it was, you know, almost at the same time. You know, Lefty, in one of those lunches with a legend that, that Tommy and I did, said, you know, one of the, the things that sold him on the job was that the AD at the time said, you're going to come in, and it's Vince Lombardi with the Skins, Ted Williams with the Senators, and Lefty Drizel at Maryland, you know, because there was no hockey, there was no NBA team, they were in Baltimore. Um, high school basketball was bigger than any other kind of basketball in this town. High school basketball was a big deal in the 60s. I don't remember that. I just, you know, have read about it and heard about it from my father, you know, uncle and his friends. Um but that's a good analogy because Lefty didn't get over the top, but he built a powerhouse. George Allen didn't win the Super Bowl, but they became totally relevant. and They were one of the better teams in the NFL. Lefty, though, had one thing that, you know, I think people emphasize when they talk about him. I think he would have gotten over the top because he had teams that were really good that the 74 team couldn't go to the tournament because of the rules. That team probably isn't a Final Four. If Moses Malone stays one year, they probably win the national championship. The year that he you know, got paid by the Utah Stars to jump to the ABA, they went to the Elite Eight. He would have been on that team. Um, but no, that's a, that's a really... Lefty made... John Thompson used to tell us all the time. Coach would say, there'd have been no Georgetown without Lefty. You know, the foundation that Gary was able to turn it around off of probation, Bob Wade's pro- probation, the way he did was laid by Lefty Drizel. Um, he was special, man. He's the, he's the reason people my age love college basketball and love Maryland because he made it so important. And it was also beneficial to him that there was nothing else in town. I mean, Maryland basketball was the number two story for years behind the skins. Lefty Drizel was Maryland head coach from March 1969 to October 1986. Uh, Things, of course, did not end well. Uh, His tenure as Terps head coach ended uh, not just off the Len Bias tragedy in June 1986, but also off other stuff that came up. He did get other head coaching jobs, James Madison, Georgia State, but he never again got another truly big-time head coaching job. Is the reason for that how things ended at Maryland, or were there other reasons? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. He was also older, you know, at that time, too. Um, Had been at Maryland for 17 years, Davidson for eight prior to that. So he had already been a 25 or 26-year head coach. Um, So I forget how old he actually was um, when he was probably in his late 50s, maybe, in 86, uh, 14, 24, 38, 92. So he was... Yeah, he was in his mid-50s then. Uh, yeah, that's probably, it's probably more about the former, the way it ended at Maryland. And, you know, that's a complex period for him because I don't know that everybody knows exactly what the story was. I think a lot of people feel years later there wasn't, you know, if he did something wrong, if he was flawed, it was with 
the intentions of doing what was best for the young men that played for him because that's really what he was about. But yeah, no, he remember too, he retired, you know, and was out of college basketball for a couple of years. Actually was an analyst on the ACC network. Um, for, he was great at that too. And then JMU had an opening and he's like, all right, I'll go back and, and coach at that level. Took them to the tournament, you know, eventually took Georgia state to the tournament, played Maryland. Remember yeah. in the 2001 tournament, the second round. Maryland's run to the Final Four in the 2001 NCAA tournament was remarkable for so many reasons, including each of the team's first three games in that tournament having a major storyline against a school with some version of George in the name. This was so bizarre, but yet George Mason, a local team, of course, uh, then Georgia State, which had Lefty Drizel as its head coach, and then another local team, Georgetown. By the way, that's one of the great stories, too. Remember, Lefty was bitter about the way it ended at Maryland. Yeah. Um, and when they played Georgetown in that Sweet 16 in 2001 in Anaheim on their way to their first Final Four, Coach Thompson had Lefty on the show at 980. And Lefty said that he was going to root for Georgetown <laughs> in that game. Yeah. And Coach Thompson, I wasn't there. You guys were there. But CJ tells the story about how Coach Thompson was just dancing around saying, lefties rooting for Georgetown because their relationship became so much different, you know, when they were both retired coaches and they became, you know, or, you know, lefty was coaching at, at, um, at Georgia State. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I, I think the, uh, that, that year was, was an interesting year. For sure. And Lefty Drizel was not thrilled when Maryland in the 2011-2012 season named the court at Xfinity Center Gary Williams Court, right? There is left, you know, Gary hired Chuck, hired his son. And for a few years there that, you know, Lefty and, and Gary had patched things up. And um, yeah, there's a lot of relationship complexity, you know, between, I mean, Lefty and John there for a while, Lefty and Gary for years. Um, Cause Lefty may be closer with Mark Turgeon than he is with Gary, but you know, look, all of us, cause you and I are alums. If it came down to one game or one season, we take Gary every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Gary was, the program's greatest coach and a championship coach. But for people my age, Maryland in college basketball is important because of Lefty and the memories of those games and those days in the ACC. And look, they were, you know, they were a top 20 program pretty much consistently during Lefty's tenure there. But really in the 70s, they were basically a top 10 top five program. I mean, they were regularly in the top five, top 10 in the country. You know, when I was a kid, that's what it was. And so these heavyweight Maryland played NC state on Super Bowl Sunday. That was a tradition. And they would, Maryland and NC state played, I think for five straight years on Super Bowl Sunday as the lead into the Super Bowl game. One of the great stats about Lefty Drizel as Maryland head coach, the Terps with Lefty as head coach were ranked as high as number two in an Associated Press Top 25 poll in each of four consecutive seasons, 1972-73 through 1975-76. That is impressive. 
Well, I know this. Maryland has been number two. They were number two with Lefty so many times. They were number two with Gary several times. They were number two with Mark Turgeon. Um, Maryland's been ranked number two more than any other program that hasn't been ranked number one. Because when Purdue got ranked number one either last year or this year, Maryland became the number one all-time ranked number two, but not number one. That is something. Kevin Sheehan, the host of the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. Uh, Kevin, thanks a lot. All the best. All right, Al. Thanks, as always. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Well, the Capitals on Monday are concluding a six-day stretch in which they had just one game. Uh, That game was this past Saturday night, and the result of that game was a win. Uh, The Caps for this NHL regular season improved to 24-21-8 with a 4-3 win at the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday night. This was the Caps' 14th one-goal victory of this regular season. 14 of the Caps' 24 wins in this regular season have been one-goal wins. Uh, That does help to explain why the Caps for this regular season have the third-worst goal differential in the Eastern Conference, minus 36. But it was good to see the Caps on Saturday night score four goals. The Caps came into this game having scored more than three goals just once over the team's previous nine games. Uh, Now, the six-game goal-scoring streak of top-line left-wing Alex Ovechkin did come to an end on Saturday night, but he did have a secondary assist and did have a team-high tying nine total shot attempts. Uh, The Ovechkin secondary assist came on top-line right-wing TJ Oshie's power play goal 10 minutes into the first period as the Caps went one of one on the power play, and the goal was the 300th regular season goal of Oshie's NHL career. Uh, Third line right wing Anthony Mantha, he scored an even strength goal at 340 into the first period and had a secondary assist. Mantha for this regular season is number two on the Caps with 17 goals, most goals that he has had in a regular season since 2016-2017. 
Third-line left-wing Alexi Protis finally scored a goal, and it was a key goal. Uh, Protis scored a tie-breaking even-strength goal, 11:57 into the third period, to give the Caps a 4-3 lead. First goal for Protis since December 7th, uh, and he had a primary assist. He did commit a first-period interference minor, but really good to see Protus end that goal-scoring drought. The Caps really like Protus. Uh, they just last month, January 19th, announced having signed Protus to a five-year $16.875 million contract extension. And also scoring a goal for the Caps on Saturday night was the returning Sonny Milano. He was back. He returned from a 27-game absence caused by an upper body injury, and Milano was impactful. He served as the Caps' second-line right wing. He scored an even-strength goal 327 into the third period, and he was number three on the Caps in 5-on-5 shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 77.27. The Caps, with Milano on the ice in 5-on-5 situations in the game, had 17 shot attempts versus allowing just five shot attempts. Uh, However, while the Caps on Saturday night got back Sonny Milano, they on Saturday night did lose defenseman Martin Fehervari. Uh, He left the game due to a lower body injury, and he left the game early in the game. He registered just one minute, 36 seconds of ice time, so the Caps were down to five defensemen for most of this game. But the Caps did win the puck possession battle in terms of five-on-five play. They did have 34 shots on goal to the Canadiens' 31, but part of that was the Canadiens having two more power plays than the Caps had. And the Caps, per natural stat trick, had 67 five-on-five shot attempts to the Canadiens' 52, including 17 five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Canadiens' 12. Uh, Darcy Kemper was the Caps' starting goaltender for just the fifth time in 14 games. He stopped 28 of the 31 shots on goal that he faced. Kemper, per natural stat trick, gave up a goal on a high-danger shot on goal, gave up a goal on a medium-danger shot on goal, and gave up a goal on a low-danger shot on goal. The Caps went 2-3 or on the penalty kill. Good win for the Caps, uh, just their second win in 10 games. Here was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game session with reporters on Saturday night. Yeah, it was a, uh, I thought a great hockey game. A lot of opportunities both ways. Like I thought we had majority of the looks. We'll go back through it, but um, did a lot of good things to create some good opportunities. Thought their goaltender was excellent. Um, Power play with a huge goal, probably our best looking power play that we've had all year long. Uh, the the one minute of it, and I, I I love the resiliency. Right, this this game for us, as we s- try to stay in this fight, um, w- we had to have two points. There there's no uh, sort of skirting around it. We we needed two points tonight. So for us to deliver, we give that lead back, and then we get that game winner. Um, liked a lot of the things we did tonight. All right, next up for the Caps, home to the New Jersey Devils, Tuesday night at 7. We move now to college basketball. Saturday ended up being quite the day for Maryland. A big home game against number 14, Illinois, on Saturday evening, but on Saturday morning, the news that legendary former Maryland basketball head coach Charles Lefty Drizel had died. He was 92. Lefty was the Terrapins head coach from March 1969 
to October 1986. Yes, Terps head coach led the team to eight NCAA tournament appearances. Uh, back when getting an NCAA tournament appearance was not so easy. Uh, he has Terps head coach won the 1972 NIT championship back when the NIT championship meant a lot. He has Terps head coach won the 1984 ACC tournament championship and won two ACC regular season titles. He has Terps head coach made six ACC tournament championship games. And, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, the Terps with Lefty as head coach were ranked as high as number two in an Associated Press Top 25 poll in each of four consecutive seasons, 1972-73 through 1975-76. Also, Lefty is credited with inventing March Madness. Uh, As the legend goes, Lefty held a one-mile run at a track in front of a 1,000 fans around then Bird Stadium at 12.03 a.m. on October 15th, 1971, the first day on which practice could be held for that 1971-72 season. Uh, As for the game on Saturday evening, the Terps did lose. Uh, They, for this season, fell to 14-12 overall and and 6-9 in the Big Ten with an 85-80 loss to number 14 Illinois at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. The Terps this season now are just 1-8 In games decided by five points or less, the Terps this season do not win close games. Uh, This game was close throughout, but the Terps never held a lead in the second half. Uh, Now, the Terps are one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. We've talked about that. But Illinois is one of the best offensive teams in college basketball. And the Terps' defense on Saturday evening was bested by Illinois' offense. Uh, the Terps did hold Illinois to just 5 of 20 on threes, but the Terps allowed Illinois to score 85 points, allowed Illinois to go 19 of 30 on twos, and allowed Illinois to generate 36 free throw attempts. Illinois went 32 of 36 on free throws. Also, the Terps got outscored by Illinois in fast break points 19-2. Maryland for this season, as of games through Saturday, was number six in Division I men's basketball in KenPalm.com's adjusted defensive efficiency, which is points allowed per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. But Illinois for this season, as of games through Saturday, was number five in Division I men's basketball in KenPalm.com com's adjusted offensive efficiency, which is points per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. Uh, the Terps offense in this loss to Illinois was mixed. The Terps went just 4 of 18 on threes and went just 22 of 45 on twos, but did score 80 points and did generate 29 free throw attempts. The Terps went 24 of 29 on free throws. Also, the Terps had 14 offensive rebounds to Illinois' 5 and thus 17 second chance points to Illinois' 10, and the Terps committed just six turnovers. Uh, The Terps were without a key player in 6'6 Indiana transfer Jordan Geronimo due to injury, and the Terps also had 6'8 Dante Scott getting hurt prior to the game. He did not start for the first time this season as he got hurt prior to the game due to slipping in the tunnel while coming out for warm-ups. Now, he did then check into the game just a few minutes after the game started. Uh, Dante Scott in 34 minutes off the bench, just 1 of 5 on threes, but also 4 of 6 on twos and 6 of 7 on free throws. He finished with 17 points, 5 rebounds, and 2 blocks. This was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his post-game press conference on Saturday evening on what happened with Dante Scott. 
Yeah, we, we had kind of a freak accident, accident before the game. He slipped in, he slipped in the tunnel coming out uh, for warm-ups. That's why he didn't start and kind of took him a while to get going. It was just a freak accident. He slipped on a puddle in the tunnel. And, um, you know, I think it took him a little time to get going because I think he had a little shock the fact that he wiped out in the tunnel. So we had to go through. We had to have the doctor clear him. We had that doctor do everything. And then, you know, you got to make sure he's okay. Um, and you got to make sure that he, he's able to play. And um, they tested him back here. But I think when he got in, if you watch, he's, he just was a little bit hesitant. He gave up two threes. Um, but once he got going, you know, he was a Dante that's been really Dante over the last two months. He's been really good. Yes, he has been. Uh, 6'1 point guard Jameer Young, he on Saturday evening did not shoot well from the field, but he did do a number of other things well. Young in 38 minutes as a starter went just 8 of 23 from the field, just 1 of 4 on threes and just 7 of 19 on twos. But he also went 11 of 11 on free throws and he finished with 28 points, 9 rebounds and 6 assists versus just one turnover. Uh, 6'9", Julian Reese, he on Saturday evening, 38 minutes as a starter, 6 of 8 from the field, all twos, and 6 of 7 on free throws. He finished with 18 points, 11 rebounds, and 1 assist versus 2 turnovers. Uh, But yeah, Saturday for Maryland basketball in many ways was all about lefty Drizel. This was how Kevin Willard began his postgame press conference on Saturday evening. Uh, Actually, you know, before, I just want to say a quick, um, obviously today's a, in the overall scheme of things, a really sad day for Maryland basketball. Um, I want to give the condolences to Lefty's family. Um, obviously, Lefty was a huge part of Maryland basketball, but he was also a, a really big part of college basketball. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough when you lose a legend. Um, especially at your school, but I think college basketball today um, really lost somebody that gave a lot to the game of basketball. So um, I just wanted to let Lefty's family know that, you know, we said a prayer for him uh, before the game and uh, we're thinking about him and that's all I got. Next up from Maryland at number 20, Wisconsin, Tuesday night at nine. Well, guess who was in attendance at Georgetown's game on Friday night? Commanders General Manager Adam Peters and Commanders Head Coach Dan Quinn. Yes, Adam and Dan were in the house. Uh, They were among those in attendance. Official attendance was 9,406, but uh, Adam, Dan, and the rest of those in attendance saw yet another Hoyas loss. Uh, Georgetown for this season fell to 8-17 and overall and 1-13 and in the Big East with a 70-54 loss to Villanova at Capital One Arena on Friday night. The Hoyas suffered their 10th consecutive loss. They trailed for the entire second half. They trailed by just four points at 45-41 with less than 12 minutes left in the second half, but then lost the rest of the game 25-13. The Hoyas offense was really bad in the first half, was better in the second half, but that first half offense essentially doomed the Hoyas. So the Hoyas in the first half scored just 19 points and went just two of 13 on threes and just six of 18 on twos, uh, the Hoyas in the second half scored 35 points and went 7 of 17 on threes and 6 of 13 on twos. Uh, two key Hoyas, Jaden Epson, Dontrez Styles, they went a combined 6 of 27 
from the field. Uh, the 6-2 Illinois transfer, Jaden Epps, uh, he is not in a good place right now. He, on Friday night, in 37 minutes as a starter, went just 3-12 from the field, just 1-7 on threes, and just 2-5 on twos. He also went 2-3 on free throws, finished with 9 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists versus three turnovers. Epps is in a shooting slump. He, over his last seven games, has gone just 13 of 58 on threes, just 22.4% on threes over his last seven games. Now, Epps this season has dealt with some minor ailments. You wonder if he's 100% healthy. And then the 6'6 North Carolina transfer, Dontrez Styles. he on Friday night in 36 minutes as a starter went just three of 15 from the field. Just two of seven on threes and just one of eight on twos. He also had no assists versus two turnovers. He also finished with eight points, five rebounds, and two blocks. Uh, as for the Hoyas' defense, it was good in the first half, but uh, was not good in the second half. The Hoyas in the first half held Villanova to just 28 points, just five of 17 on threes and just four of 11 on twos. But the Hoyas in the second half allowed Villanova to score 42 points and go six of 14 on threes and 10 of 13 on twos. So the Hoyas in this, their first season with Ed Cooley as head coach, continue to struggle. Next up for Georgetown, home to St. John's Wednesday night at seven. A bounce back win for number 21 Virginia on Saturday afternoon. The Cavaliers for this season improved to 20 and six overall and 11 and four in the ACC with a 49 47 win over Wake Forest at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. The Cavs clinched having at least 20 wins for the 12th time in 15 seasons with Tony Bennett as head coach. And that doesn't even tell the entire story because the Cavs in their COVID-shortened 2020-2021 season went 18-7 and overall. So that season, if not for COVID, would have almost certainly been a 20-win season. Uh, the Cavs were coming off a loss, a 74-63 home loss to Pitt this past Tuesday night. That loss snapped the Cavs' eight-game winning streak and snapped their 23-game home winning streak, which had been the longest current home winning streak in Division One men's basketball. Uh, the Cavs' defense in this win over Wake Forest was outstanding. Uh, they held Wake to just 47 points, just 5 of 21 on threes, and just 14 of 34 on twos. The Cavs totaled a season-high 13 block shots, and the Cavs defended without fouling as Wake Forest totaled just five free-throw attempts the entire game. Uh, the Cavs for this season, as of games through Saturday, number eight in Division One men's basketball and KenPalm.com's adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, but the final score of this game was 49-47. The Wahoos won despite their shooting being quite bad. They went just 4 of 13 on threes and just 18 of 41 on twos. But how about this? The Hoos went an incomprehensible one of 11 on free throws. Yes, one of 11 on free throws. The Hoos are a really bad free throw shooting team. They, for this season now, are shooting just 64.1% on free throws. You know, that is the kind of thing that could really cost the Hoos in the NCAA tournament. Uh, we did get another good game from 6-3 Reese Beekman. He scored 20 of UVA's 49 points. He had 33 minutes, 25 seconds as a starter. Went 2 of 3 on threes, 7 of 13 on twos, and 0 of 1 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists 
versus two turnovers. And 6'8", Ryan Dunn, he was a big-time presence on defense. 32 minutes, 3 seconds as a starter. 0-2 on threes, 3-6 on twos, 0-3 on free throws. He scored just 6 points, but he had 9 rebounds, including 3 offensive boards. And he had a whopping 7 blocks, and he had a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 11. Also in this game, Tony Bennett got his first technical foul in nearly a decade and a half. (laughs) He got his first technical foul since a game against Maryland, in fact, a 74-68 home loss to then number 22 Maryland on March 6th, 2010. Uh, Tony Bennett is known as one of the nicest and most polite head coaches in college basketball, but he on Saturday afternoon said a naughty word uh, regarding a perceived travel by Wake Forest Cameron Hildreth, uh, who's from England, by the way. But here was Bennett during his postgame press conference on Saturday afternoon. I thought uh, Hildreth had traveled on the play. I thought he had carried it and kind of traveled. And I and I said, call the bleeping foul. And... Um, and he heard me, and I asked him, I said, why'd you call T? He said, because you, you cussed at me. And I said, all right, I guess I deserve that. But if every time a coach in our league is dropping a, a cuss word, there'd be a lot of technicals. So, but, uh, but I shouldn't have said that. I really shouldn't have. That was classless on my part. It was just the heat of the moment because it was a big possession. I thought we, we were guarding, we were guarding. And I thought he had traveled. I'll watch the tape. I might be wrong. And again, I shouldn't have said that the way I said it to him, but it just... Um, it came out. So, um, and uh, he had heard that, and that's why he said he gave me a T. And so, uh, my esteemed buddy here, colleague, we're tied for technicals. He got one in a seventh grade game, Bach did, and now I got one here, so we're tied in the technical fouls for the, uh, the season here. Um, he might have more than one this year, though. He only has one. So, but I, I really felt bad about it, but like, you know, because I was like, points were at a premium, and that was two points. And last time I did that, um, <laughs> that was my first year, uh, we ended up losing that game. And I just, I didn't want us to, although had we made the free throws, it would have been a little different. But yeah, it was just one of those bang, bang plays. And uh, it was a physical game. And again, um, what was said, was, it was said, and shouldn't have done it. And again, we move on. Yes, you do. Uh, next up for Virginia is the latest installment of the Commonwealth Clash, as we have Virginia at Virginia Tech Monday night at 7. And the Hokies are coming off a loss, their fourth loss in five games. Uh, Tech for this season fell to 14-11 and 11 overall and 6-8 and eight in the ACC with a 96-81 loss at number 7 North Carolina on Saturday afternoon. Uh, This was not much of a game. The Hokies trailed by at least seven points for all of the second half. Tech's defense was a major problem. The Hokies allowed Carolina to score 96 points. Carolina only went 7 of 21 on threes, but also went 28 of 47 on twos as Tech allowed Carolina to score 54 points in the paint. Uh, That is a sky-high total for points in the paint for a college basketball game. The Hokies got outscored in terms of points in the paint, 54-36. Also got outscored in terms of second chance points, 17-9 as Tech had just eight offensive rebounds to Carolina's 14. And a big reason for all of this, 6-11 Armando Baycott. Uh, the Hokies got worked by Armando. Uh, He, in 30 minutes as a starter, went 11 of 16 from the field. All twos also went three of three on free throws. He finished with 25 points and 12 rebounds, including four 
offensive boards, and Tech's shooting from the field was nowhere close to good enough. The Hokies in the second half went just 1 of 12 on threes, and for the game went just 7 of 26 on threes, went 21 of 41 on twos. But two of Tech's most important players, Hunter Couture and Sean Padula, when it combined 6 of 23 from the field. A 6-3 Hunter Couture, he in 34 minutes as a starter went just 3 of 10 from the field. Just 1 of 6 on threes and 2 of 4 on twos. Did go 4 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 11 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists versus 2 turnovers and 6-1 point guard. Sean Padula, he in 29 minutes as a starter went just 3 of 13 from the field. 0 of 4 on threes and just 3 of 9 on twos. And he went just 4 of 6 on free throws. He finished with 10 points, did also have six rebounds, five assists versus one turnover and two steals. Uh, a bright spot for the Hokies was a North Carolina transfer, a 6-7 UNC transfer, Tyler Nickel. He in 27 minutes off the bench went four or six on threes and one or two on twos. He finished with 14 points and three blocks, but whereas Nickel went four or six on threes, the rest of Tech's players went just three of 20 on threes. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 766. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders. Also on Tuesday show, I'll talk college basketball as we have number 21, Virginia at Virginia Tech, Monday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. There it is. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.